Good to have you along on this Friday. He has been Troop. I am Kevin Thomas. Glad you are making us a part of your day. A lot to get to on the show on this Friday as we head into the weekend. A lot of uh, Braves baseball to get to as they lose to the field. Ben, they just can't do it. Can't do it. I am, I'm telling you, it is a, I don't know, if, I'm not going to say it's a curse. I don't believe in that. But uh, they just can't do it. Cannot get to that three wins in a row, Mark. We'll get to that in just a little bit. We'll take a look at the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Troy Anderson, who just signed his deal uh, today, by the way, his rookie deal. So we'll get to that. What kind of an impact he can have. Todd Munkin got an increase. Kirby Smart's got one on the way. What could they be looking at? And just looking at the money in college football. I know Ben has talked about this a lot of, hey, Nick Saban's making $10 million. And we're talking about just where all the money is in college football. Well, Kirby's about to get some of that pie We'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit as well. But, Ben, as we said, look, the Braves lose 4-1. to They get a pretty good pitching performance from Kyle Wright. It's just not enough. Couldn't get enough offense. And you still haven't won. (laughs) You still haven't won three in a row, but you took uh, two uh, out of the four games in the series. You're still tied with Philly in the standings for second. I think the biggest thing that we've seen so far this week is you've made up a game and a half uh, in the standings against the, uh, the New York Mets. So, uh, people talk about, well, this team's tr- – look, if they can continue to win two out of three, take series, uh, as I, I told you pre-show, look, you're in this stretch where you're playing subpar teams, and the Phillies are the best of who you are going to play between now and the 20th of June, and you split with them. So you got the Marlins again tonight. If you can make up one game a week, just one game a week in the standings between now and June 20th, you'll be three games out. I mean, if you're three games out – at the end of June, I don't think anybody's in full-on panic mode uh, at that point saying, oh, my goodness, the sky's falling. What are you going to do? No. Three games out is a good series away from being in first place. I mean, you could be tied up uh, with a with a series sweep against that Mets. So, uh, again, Mets missing three-fifths of their starting rotation. You're making up some games here in a uh, crucial stretch of the schedule for you. Just couldn't get it done last night. I think not having Ronald Acuna certainly uh, hurt. Not having Marcelo Zuna last night. Certainly hurt from an offensive standpoint. I think that, uh, Ben, is what is causing inconsistency right now more than anything. It's just guys are getting banged up and you can't keep them in the lineup. Yeah, Kevin. And, the thing, and, and, and I will say this too, right? I think it still is a sign of a really, really good team when you're not playing your best, but you're still second. Uh, you know, in the NL East right now, you still understand it, Kevin. Like I said, you got four, you got you got what you got five cars on the road right now, whatever. You ain't really worried about the cars. <laughs> I'm, this is, so, sorry, Nats. You know, sorry, Marlins. We ain't really worried about y'all right now. Right now, it's us and us and us and Philly, right, Kev? Kev and we saying, hey, man, as long as we can see the Mets, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, as long as the Mets can see us in the rear view and we can see their tail lights, you good. Because, look, I think what happens with the Braves team, we just expect them just to get it done. Because, hey, man, we look at it as we, we forget, Kevin how not easy it was to win the NL at least the last four years. Yes, they have done it, but it's not like it was a cakewalk. It wasn't. It came down to sometimes the last week of the season. But I will say when it comes to the Braves, I'd rather them be chasing somebody who's not used to being out front like the Mets are than being the team out front and you just lose, you know, you know, stamina down the, down the stretch. Look, not having Marcel, not having Acuna, that stuff is going to hurt. But they won two out – listen, they won two out of four, you know, Bobby Cox just wasn't in the building last night to get to win that series. But I will say, Kevin, too, you know, they showed a lot of fight. I think when you talk about this Braves team, they know this. Look, you're still the defending World Series champs until you're not. You're going to get teams best. 
you're the team right now that's being chased by all the other 29 teams. Forget the teams in your division, but you played you played the Philly, Philly understands we got to keep pace with the Braves before we can even talk about keeping pace with the freaking Mets. So you got to take <laughs> care of one before you take care of the other. But Kevin, as you mentioned, look, they are they are keeping pace right now. You still got a nice, you know, a nice little stretch of games before you get to June 25th, even though June is next week. So it's not like but I think that when you talk about this Braves team, is what can you build on even in a loss? What can you show some signs of growth even in a loss? I, I don't want to keep saying even in a loss because I know that, you know, the BJ Bennett is not going to come out of me. But, Kevin, I just think that as long as – and I and I hate to say it, as long as they ain't getting blown out. I mean, games in baseball this year, they looking like the NBA playoff. It'd be 10 to 1, 12 <laughs> to 2. I'd be like, what in the world is going on? So for me, I just like that the Braves are showing some fight. Ron Lacuna Jr. is not being in. It's always going to hurt. You want him to take his time. And that's kind of what we said, Kevin, putting him in and out the lineup. His body don't even know how to respond. Baseball is a day in, day out grind. Marcel, you you know, I mean, not being lineup hurts, but I think this Braves team understands the task at hand. Make sure you keep – make sure you can still see the Mets. Make sure those Phillies understand we got to put some distance between us and them. But I, but all they can control is what they can control. You know, get to the next series, man. Hopefully you, hopefully you start off with a dub. And, again, the Marlins, a team that you've traditionally had uh, a decent amount of success against, just took two out of three from them uh, in Florida this past weekend. So, uh, again, baseball – I was going to say baseball is the ultimate test of patience that might be second only to your children uh, they are, are the ultimate test of, uh, of your patience, but – uh, you got the the long grind of a season, uh, Ben. Is as you said. Look, you can't take every game uh, as the most devastating loss you've ever had, and you can't uh, take every win as a sign that you're going to be, uh, you know, rolling off ten in rows. This team is showing, but man, I would love to see three in a row at, at some point during this stretch because I feel like it's it's there for them, uh, them to take. We've got again a lot to get to as we head into the weekend. Uh, Falcons uh, news out there. They get a deal done with Troy Anderson. We'll talk about that. Kirby, uh, boy, is there anybody better to be? As Ben likes to say, maybe only Mrs. Kirby is more excited about what's coming uh, than, than Kirby Smart because he is going to get paid. We're going to talk about that uh, coming up here in hour number one uh, as well. Of course, Ben, it is uh, Memorial Day weekend as well, a time to reflect and, uh, and, and have a solemn remembrance of those who have given their lives so that you know, we can talk about baseball on a uh, Friday afternoon so that we can, you know, have our cookouts and, and things that we like to do. And just to take a moment and, you know, pay your respects to those who have gone before and, and, and paid that ultimate sacrifice. And, uh, again, I hope you take some time to do that uh, this weekend. But wanted to mention that right here off the, uh, the jump of the show about, uh, about Memorial Day this weekend. And, uh, again, if you have the opportunity, uh, make the opportunity. How about that? Make the opportunity. Uh, to attend a lot of uh, uh, remembrances and take a moment to remember those who have uh, gone before and made sure that we are still, you know, the freest country uh, out there. We're able to come on and do things we love. We're able to disagree back and forth, bicker at one another, and still move on and 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 hopefully uh, go about our day despite those differences and not face a whole lot of uh, you know uh, backlash either way. Uh, social media might be another story, but in our our daily lives. And we are free to do other things we are allowed to do. Absolutely, Kevin. I think, I mean, I and I can't I couldn't say it better than you just said. I think the greatest thing too is if you can put quote petty differences aside on a day of remembrance, you can do it every day. I don't I don't think it's necessarily us having difference of opinion. We have we were having difference of opinion before we even knew what opinions were. 
And all of a sudden, this, oh, if you don't think like me, it's something wrong. No, no, no. It's something wrong with all of us. If we did a weirdo of the week, your name is coming up. My name is coming up. But I will say, whatever we can just, you know, thank those who did pay the ultimate sacrifice so that we can have these liberty. I think sometimes we've got, we've grown to only know one thing in our lifetime, Kevin. That's freedom in a way to where we, we don't really appreciate it sometimes. You shouldn't have to look at other places and say, oh my God, you hear, yeah, that's, that's what, that's what it could be, but it's not. We over here, you know, and I, and I, and I will say, you know, we, we talk about a day like Memorial Day. I mean, it just, you know, it, it humbles you because these are people who, I mean, put, you know, sign their name on the dotted line without, without any question, understanding, look, man, this, you understand what you're doing, him or her, sir or ma'am, and they did it. So all you can do is say the ultimate thank you, uh, you know, and uh, I just think that sometimes, you know, we get so caught up in pettiness that we forget Um, life is going on with or without these things we be going back and forth with. And just because you on this side and I'm on that side, we still on the same in the same America. Right. OK, so we could just calm that down ultimately. But hey, man, Memorial Day is, you know, uh, obviously a bittersweet. But you also, but you always appreciate the fact that there are people out there who are definitely one of the million, and we can't say thank you enough. Obviously, we get to do what we do and come come in and talk about the Braves and Kirby Smart and football because, hey man, because somebody made a perfect, uh, you know, somebody made the ultimate sacrifice for me and you, Kevin. They didn't even know us. We get to have the freedom and the liberties that we do have, so we can't can't say thank you enough. Absolutely, we've got so much to get to here on Three and Out. We'll continue forward. The Falcons. Very interesting offseason, as we've talked about a lot on this show, but I want to get Ben's thoughts on Troy Anderson because a lot of it, you go watch the video, looks really, really good. We talked to D. Orlando Ledbetter yesterday. He said, look, he's still learning the position. How much upside is there with a guy you brought in in the second round? Used high draft capital on him to bring in and play linebacker. We'll get to that next. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Falcons going through... Uh, OTAs, those, boy, I see a lot of, uh, I think somebody took a run at Lamar Jackson, Ben, for uh, not being at OTAs. And Lamar said, it's voluntary. I will be there when it's time. I mean, we love to knock on quarterbacks for not being there. But I saw, I did see somebody took a run at Lamar Jackson uh, for that. But the Falcons going through OTAs, uh, Ben. And Troy Anderson, he signs his deal with the Atlanta Falcons. today, second-round pick out of Montana State. We talked to D. Orlando Ledbetter, AJC, yesterday said, look, he's still learning to play the linebacker spot. I know you've watched some tape on him, Ben. What do, when you're your second-round draft pick is still learning how to play the position, what does that say to you? Second-round pick coming in that is it kind of up in the air what's going to happen? I mean, when you hear that kind of phrase, hey, he's still learning to play linebacker, what, what does that kind of mean to you as a former player? He, that, that means he's raw. That means he has he has all the tools, right? Like Kevin, it's 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 one of those things to where, you know, you take about you think you take a baseball player who, hey man, look, he's got all the he's got all the raw tools, but he's got to learn how to see the pitches. He can't just be swinging at everything they throwing at him. He got to have good plate appearances when he's out there. Whatever he plays in the field, I want him to play the position at a high level. The same thing about a guy like Troy Anderson. How I know he can play Montana State second round pick, so I know he can play. You know, I don't critical care. Show me, he played everything. I was like, "Is this, is this high school? It ain't high school." Obviously, I'm talking about in high school, you could play quarterback, tight end, linebacker, and he really did, and and did it really, really efficiently. What Troy Anderson is going to run into is this: 
He's in college. He was the best player on the field most of the time he was on. That's no longer the case. He was one of probably the most athletic guys on the field every time he was on the couch. That's no longer the case. What they're going to have to do with him is say, all right, Troy, look, everybody in the NFL is a project. I don't care who you are. The difference is a lot of the speed of the game, I don't know how the speed is out there in, in, in his conference. You finna get Alva Kamara, Leonard Fournette. Like, these are the guys that's in your division. I mean, you know, so I think that what happens with him is it's them telling him, look, we gonna coach you hard. But Kevin, if he can put it together, he, he gonna be one. Because you can't, because there are certain things you can't coach. 6'4", 240, hey, I mean, I got the height of a DN, you know, and I got a nice size on me, so I can take on blockers. I can, I can take, the, I can take, you know, all the punishment. Because the thing about the NFL that people don't understand, there's a certain level of punishment that everybody takes. Everybody, outside of kickers and punters and long snappers. So when people go, why guys so big? Because dude, I got to take the punishment and be able to keep getting up. That's why you lift weights and all this. But from what I've seen, Kevin from from college, and the kid is athletic. I mean, he got some wheels too. He can run. So I think what they're trying to do with Troy is to say, look, right now we can kind of take it slow a little bit because, you know, it's the summertime, it's mini camp. Bro, we're trying to get you up to training camp. It's going to come fast. It's going to come often. Because, Kevin, another thing, too, Arthur Smith really didn't play a lot of the starters. Troy, Troy Anderson is going to be a starter. Deion Jones is out right now, so he's getting a lot more reps than he would have gotten. But all it means is, is he's raw. All it means is – Right now, his athleticism is so incredible, he can get away with that stuff from where he can't. You can't get away with that now. Now, hey man, I need you to be in this gap. No, I need you to see it. I need you to read your keys and hit it. I don't need you to be out there thinking. Right now, you can think a little bit. Hesitation in the NFL will get you beat. It will get you beat every. So right now, he's thinking a lot. Everything is happening fast. As the coaches say, I know you want the money, right? Yeah, well, then you're going to want what will come with it. You a second round pick, which means you the top sixty four pick outside of you. You know Joe Montana don't know what Montana State is. Okay, uh, so all I'm saying is we want to make sure that he understands one how to play the game, how to play it at a high level, and how to take coaching. Because the thing about the National Football League now, everybody's livelihood is on the line. Kevin, like I said, I mean, you know, I I, I think I think you know uh, you know Mike Heimerdinger was my offensive coordinator. May he rest in peace. My my rookie year. And he kept it a buck. He said, true, guys like you, oh, man, I can get new contracts, new houses, contract extensions, but because of guys like you, I can also get fired. Because they're going to say, well, if he has all these tools, why is it not coming together? I think, I'm not saying Troy Anderson is going to be the reason why, but he has that type of upside, Kevin. And I think if you are Atlanta, you're saying, all right, this is the year, if any, we can take a chance on a guy that's a wild card because we're not looking to do that much of the team. But if we can develop this kid, and, and turn him into a player, and you know, I think I think it shows that I'm gonna give the scouts and Terry Fondo a lot of credit because, like I said, from what I've seen on tape, the kid can play, right? And and I think that what he's doing, coming from playing where he's playing, he's waving a flag for guys in his conference saying, "Hey, man, I'm doing it for more than just me." Like a Carson Wentz, you know, uh, you know. So I, I think that that's another thing too is you don't hear a lot of those guys because. They got the pan out, and he represents a full conference out there doing it. But sure, but what no. I'm seeing, Kevin, if he can put it together, he he can, he can be really really special. I I, I look at it, uh, Ben, as well, and say when you see guys like that, athletically very gifted. Uh, you know, how quickly does he have uh, an impact at the uh, the National Football League level? Because as you said, to me, that's the biggest concern when you see uh, guys from 
schools like that, it's not that they can't play. It is how quickly can they adjust to the fact that, again, and I, 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 the same could be said for the SEC and ACC players. How quickly do you adjust to the fact that everybody's as fast as the fastest player you went up against in college, right? I mean, that, that's just the, the reality of it. How quickly do you think he can have an impact on a team that is looking for impact at the linebacker spot? I, I th- I, while I think it could be instant, I think you got to, you know, it's going to be ebbs and flows, right? Because he is still a rookie, right? So every rookie is going to have a, a rookie curve. I think what happens now, you know, you got the guys like the Michael Parsons coming out and, and they instant. It's like, man, this kid can play linebacker, kid can play defensive end. That can't be the barometer. The, de- the defensive rookie of the year can't be the barometer of all defensive rookies. Just like the offensive rookie of the year can't, can't be the barometer for all offensive rookies. But I think, Kevin, is it's like this. I need a guy that can run. I need a guy with size. I need a guy with athleticism. I need a guy with speed. I need, There was a kid. I don't know. He plays for Kansas City. And they, I showed you a video where they said, man, what do you bring to the kingdom? He said, <laughs> he said, listen, man, uh, you know, Vert, you know, he said, uh, what did he say? He said, I love, I love to hit people. You know, he said, uh, I'm coming with a mentality of, you know, I just want to run and hit. If, if Troy Anderson can say, look, coach, I like to run. I like to hit people. All right. I like I like the way you think. But I need you to make sure that you can you can have that controlled chaos, meaning I want you to be chaotic, but it's got to be in a controlled area. Because the thing about these guards, they want you to run into them full speed, and you're going to stop right Boop! You're going to stop right there. You got to learn how to shed blocks. You got to learn how to read keys. You got to learn how to drop back in coverage. You got to learn how to be, you know, a, a thumping linebacker and a guy that can cover. We need you to be. Unfortunately, young man, we need you to be everything on the defense that doesn't have much to, much to work with. What? Yeah, like, and, and Ben, I, I, you look at the the linebacker spot too. It seems like, again, I know it goes through a rotation, but it seems like uh, you know linebackers uh, have become a less sexy position. We're all worried about the front four. We're all worried about the back four, but. It wasn't all that long ago. You're talking about the Ray Lewis's, the Zach Thomas's, the Brian Erlacher's, you know, uh, of the world who are out there dominating as the middle linebacker, as as inside linebackers. Why 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 does it seem like they've taken kind of a step back in terms of importance? Where you look at those guys who have been in the league uh, that played that inside linebacker spot, who could be high impact guys uh, from the inside, but it seems like most teams nowadays you're getting guys you're like who is that guy like. Your inside linebackers are not guys that are household names the way it, the way they were on a lot of good teams, you know, eight, nine, ten years ago. Because because I think I think everything goes through a shift. Like every position goes through a shift to where the glory is. Because at one point, Kevin, I mean, Luke Keekley, he was the gold standard. Then you had you know uh, then you had a guy like Navarro Bowman, and you know uh, you know you had what's his name Pat? I can't remember his last name. Out of Ole Miss, I'm just I'm just drawing a blank. Patrick Willis. Uh, right. Patrick Willis out of out of freaking uh you know out of Ole Miss. Then you talk about the Bobby Wagner who's still doing it. You know, you you got certain guys that are still doing it, but but when you said it, those are the glory year linebackers. Brian Erlack, a Hall of Famer. Zach Thomas gonna be Ray Lewis, arguably the greatest linebacker, but they're all in the league at the same time, balling at the same time. And I think that's what it is. You have, I mean, you had a bunch of them, but now they're gone. Or you had some real good ones. You need them doing it all at the same time. Luke Keekley hit everything that moved. From the time in college to the end of the NFL, if it moved, he hit it. But then Bobby Wagner was out there with Seattle. You got the Kendrick's kid out there, you know, in Minnesota. You know, you got like guys like Devin White, with, and they go another guy like Devin White. And that's the thing, Devin White, six feet, six one, about two twenty, right? He he, but what he lacks in height, he makes up in quickness and athleticism and ability. The thing about a guy like Troy is, I mean, in a sense, you usher in new new line. It's almost like. 
the, the guys in college body just form to whatever it needs to be depending on who's balling. I understand that, but it seems like, again, Ben, there's not a priority on inside linebacker play. It's all about get me to the quarterback and, and cover on the outside. Meanwhile, tight ends are having record production. And where are they going? Right where those linebackers are supposed to be. Yeah, Kevin. And, and look, the one thing you don't have to worry about is this. It used to be a time to where linebacker production was based on how many tackles, right? How many, you know, how many tackles I have in a year? Now, Kevin, it's, hey, man, can you get us off the field on third down? By any means necessary. Is that If that's stopping the running back, if that's stopping the production of, of pass catches in the middle of the field, that's where the catches are going to happen. Can you run with a slot receiver down the center? The best linebacker I can say as far as, like, did everything was Derrick Brooks. He did Everything. Tampa 2, a.k.a. the Tampa Bucks, got named after Monty Kiffin, the father of Lane Kiffin, and the orchestrator of it all was not Warren Sapp, was not John Lynch, was not, you know, uh, was not Simeon Rice. It was Derrick Brooks, meaning I'm going to be right here if they try to do that check down. Or oh, they finna throw it to the tight end down the center. No, the hell they not. Because 55, he's standing right there. And I just think that Kevin... You sometimes it, a linebacker is like a shutdown corner. When you got a guy that can do it all, you know how much better your defense is because he's everywhere. You don't believe me? <clears throat> Nicobe Dean for Georgia last year, he did everything. Not saying he didn't have help. I'm not taking nothing away from you know Jordan Davis and company. But think about this: Nicobe Dean was the best player on that defense. That's taking nothing away from Javon Walker or Jordan Davis. You take Nicobe Dean off, it's a totally different defense because Jordan Davis don't cover, Javon Walker don't cover. They make pass. They 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 rush in the pass and stop and run the line of scrimmage. Nicobe Dean is hitting everything walking. So I just think that Kevin, you're looking for that hybrid, that hybrid uh, linebacker that can cover the tight end because he's just as big as the tight end, can run and hit because he's built to run and hit. Oh, and also I need you to be able to blitz and line the defense up, and you don't come off the field. So every dollar you just earned, Mister Anderson. Oh, sir, sir, you're gonna earn every bit of it uh, starting right now. Yeah, to me, he's very uh, again. He is as interesting to me as Drake London as, as a draft pick because you went there in the second round, and again, it's just the natural reaction of fans when they say, and with the 50, I think he was 58th pick out of Montana State, uh-oh. Like, that's the, like that, that's the first reaction when it's not a Power 5 school seemingly. It's like, and out of Montana State, because you just don't get a chance to see him play uh, that much. But as you said, 6'4", 235, 240, big body linebacker has a chance to come in and people rave about his athleticism, and uh, guys like Mel, Mel Kuyper and other had a first-round grade on him, uh, Ben, as a, a linebacker. So if he can live up to some of that, could be a big, big get uh, there for the Atlanta Falcons in the second round. He signs his deal with uh, the Falcons earlier today. We mentioned earlier, as you head into the weekend, a lot of people are getting ready for uh, an exciting weekend. Maybe none more, as Ben likes to say, than Mrs. Kirby, because Kirby apparently very close to inking a new deal with Georgia What are we looking at here? What could it be? We'll break it down next. It's three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. It's a good time to be a college football coach. I will say that, Uh, Ben Troop, as uh, we look around uh, the landscape and a lot of news made yesterday about uh, Georgia and uh, Dr. Moorhead uh, saying, hey, working on a new contract for Kirby Smart. It's going to be commensurate with other contracts for guys who have won a national championship. So you try to figure that out. Nick Saban makes 10.6. Brian Kelly makes 9.5. Jimbo makes 9 million. I think that's the starting point, right? I mean, I think it's at least nine 
Ben Troop, and I was talking with Christian. I was like, man, Brian Kelly's making nine and a half. He goes, well, that's what LSU had to do to get him away from Notre Dame. I was like, well, good for Kirby, because if I'm Kirby's agent, I'm going, Brian Kelly, he hasn't won a national championship. I have. I, I mean, I think you're you're starting this thing at over nine and a half million, and you're getting as close to Nick Saban money as I think you could possibly get. Now, Kirby won a national championship. That's worth a lot. But again, in this era, Nick Saban's won multiple. I I I, I think that just is what it is. Plus, Nick's going to jump right past you if if you get more than him. Uh, anyway, because that's the way the deal is. But any chance this is less than what Brian Kelly gets? I can't imagine that it is. It won't be. Uh, well, the people need to start looking at these big time uh, coaching contracts like like a big time free agent quarterback in the NFL. Whoever's the next up gonna get the most money. Now, I said whoever's the next up gonna get the most money, but the goat gonna end up with more money because isn't it isn't it ironic, right? And I'm not taking that away from Dabo Sweeney. I'm not taking away from uh, Coach O, even though he's no longer the coach right now. I'm not taking away from Jimbo Fisher. I'm not taking that away from Kirby Smart. All those guys combined don't have as many. That's freaking excitement. All those guys combined. And I think sometimes, Kevin, it's like the recency bias. Look, I get it. Georgia has been trending upward since Kirby's outside of his first year. I mean, they've been incredible. I just think that sometimes we forget just how dominant Nick Saban has been. Most guys just want to win one. He did that at LSU. And then he come over here to freaking Alabama's. But I will say this. Because of two things that happened Kirby Smart. One, just one and that is. And two, Kevin, perception. You know Georgia's going to be right behind Nick Saban. Because people go, oh, they have to be. But this is, the, this is to put it into context, though, how it's great to be a head coach. Billy Napier is at Florida. He has a coaster down. He's making 7.1. He ain't won East. He ain't won a game. And I just think that sometimes, Kevin, when you think about what Kirby Smart, think about it. Kirby Smart, Pilot's not getting this type of extension if he doesn't win a natty. Like, if he don't win a natty, he gets an extension. It ain't, it ain't like this one. You know a contract extension is big when you talk about it on one day and you're still <laughs> trying to finalize it the next day. But he earns it. I mean, he, he's more than worth it. I know you I know you was asking me earlier in the week, should Kirby Smart be the highest pay? No, 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 no. But it's not like he ain't getting his cheese. I remember, like, Kevin, I remember when a million dollars for a coach was a lot. Like, he got a what? He got a meal? Man, they get million dollar bonuses based on what they do in the postseason. Because 10, 10 million is what I think he's probably gonna get uh at the end of the day, somewhere in the 10 million dollar range. What may happen? Because this is what George is really saying. All right, now we give it to you, but so what happens if he wins another one? Do they do they go back to the I think I think you got it's kind of like NIL, you gotta set some type of ceiling, Kevin, because George is gonna say, listen, um uh they got oil in Texas, okay? We ain't got none over here in Georgia. So you, we appreciate you. But at a certain point, what you expect us to give you? I don't know, 20? 20. So congratulations to them, though. Mrs. Smart, look, they already probably got the big house. They Kirby don't pay for anything. Everything he goes comp, everywhere he fly is, is private, and everywhere he eats is free. Things I was going to say, you win, the, you win the national championship in the state of Georgia for the Georgia Bulldogs. You can stretch that. Eight, nine, ten million are long ways when you're not paying for anything. Because I mean, listen, all, all I'm saying is when people start talking about like why it pays to be a, a head coach in college football, it's definitely major college football, aka the SEC. Brian Kelly coming in with cheese never won a national championship, but but when you pull him, 
from Notre Dame, that 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 comes with a price. But no, I'm I'm happy for all the coaches. Definitely a guy like Kirby Smart. At the end of the day, you know, everybody had something to say about Kirby Smart wife back in the day saying, girl, you don't you don't need to talk to him. Who's winning now? Uh-huh. She trusted her gut. And look what happened. I'm just just playing. But at the, but at the end of the day, I'm happy uh Kirby Smart. But this thing though, Kevin, this is crazy, right? Kirby Smart gets this type of extension because he won the Georgia. Could you imagine what Brian Kelly would get if he went to LSU? Could you imagine what Billy Napier would get if he went? That's what I'm saying. It's like, hey man, at the end of the day, when I get 7.1 million or 9.2 million, I ain't got the I ain't won the East or the West. Life is good, people. That's and, yeah. and Billy Napier ain't got no state tax. Yeah, 100 percent Look, I, and again, the cost of doing business to get a quality coach, that's why it's amazing. Uh, when you hear play, uh, we we laugh all the time. When you hear fans go, we just need to get us a Nick Saban type. Uh, well, one, those don't go walking around every day, and two, the quote Nick Saban types are all making over nine million dollars. Like you got to be in a uh, a special category of school to pay your coach that kind of money. And Ben, I went back and looked it up because we talked about this earlier in the week when it was like, hey, the cost of you know doing business, especially in the SEC, is going up. Back in two thousand six, which doesn't in my brain it doesn't seem like that long ago but it is has the but what 14 years ago the average head coaching salary in major d1 now that's all 130 schools at the uh, fcs level 950,000 and you go 950,000 that was 2006 here we are in 2022 it's over 2 million so the cost of doing business to get a head coach the average it's over 2 million so it's more than doubled in, in 14 years, and you're seeing that cost going up, not only at the head coaching level, but Ben, how about this? Todd Munkin, obviously, you had a, uh, you talk about development, you just had a walk-on quarterback, win you a national championship, you had a, a, an offense that's, you know, developing tight ends, offensive. Todd Munkin's getting a raise to $2 million a year. And you go, I, I remember when it was news, uh, Ben, Remember when Dabo, this doesn't seem like that long ago. Remember when Dabo came out and said, I'm giving my coordinators a mil each. You're doing what? The guys that aren't the head coach? Yeah, I'm giving my coordinators a million each. And everybody at that time thought that was revolutionary, that you had obviously coordinators making more than head coaches at other schools. Todd Monk is going to get $2 million, not to coach the team, to coach Mm -hmm. 11 guys, essentially. On the offensive side of the ball, I uh, did a fantastic job. But, Ben, just to put it in perspective, when you talk about competing in the college football realm, Todd Munkin getting $2 million to coach one side of the ball, he will make more than the average head coach. The average head coach in the AC, the Mountain West, the Sun Belt, Conference USA, and the MAC. And I think there's a lot of coaches. Uh, there's a few coaches in the Pac-12 that may not make $2 million uh, as a head coach. Now, I know there's some, that, you know, what the – David Shaw out there at Stanford's up there in the nine million dollar range. I think. Uh, uh, why did I just uh, I drop like at USC? He's yeah, making Dan, like, Dan Lanning might be making a nice yeah, little. Nice he's little making like ten million dollars. So, but two million dollars a year gets you a court the, the top coordinator out there two two mil. And like I said, there's coaches that aren't head coaches that aren't making that much trying to compete there at the major uh, college level. So when people say we just need to go do this and that, you again. If you're a program, when you, that's been, this is why when you say what Jared Binko did was amazing, Clay Helton was the head coach at Southern Cal. The coordinators are making million dollar deals and you got him to come to Georgia Southern and be the head coach. That is a hard thing. Again, 
what mid-major conference team is going to pry Todd Munkin away? How many bottom half potential yeah. P5 schools are going to pry Todd Munkin away? They can't pay more than $2 million. That is job security and locking guys up at the coordinator spot. The only way Todd Munkin at this point is leaving you is for the NFL or if a job like Penn State or something like that opens up where they have big money, big dollars. So good on the University of Georgia locking it up. But again, you just talk about the explosion in money and you start seeing coordinators now, big-time coordinators, $2 million. Uh, we have come a, a long way in the amount of yeah. money in a short amount of time uh, that people are sinking into these programs, Ben. And and the thing about it is, too, Kevin, I mean, look at what it does for the reputation of a guy like Todd Monkey. You don't think that every coordinator, not just offense, every coordinator in college football know, dude, they got, they're giving them $2 million to Georgia. Now, when people go, hey, man, what, where's Todd Monkey? He's in the driver's seat. The two most high, no, the four coordinators in college football that's going to get the most love, offensive defensive coordinator for Alabama, offensive defensive coordinator for Georgia, right? So and when you think about it, Dan Lanning goes, hey, man, I- I'm doing it the Kirby way. What you mean? I'm going to just wait till I get a head coaching job. What? Yeah, because, I listen, Kevin, I think I think you were doing a game, you and Christian was doing a game that Friday when it broke that Dan Lanning was the new head coach at Oregon. And when I tell you the Georgia fans lost it, the AJC reported people like the AJC, they're gonna feel bad, you know, uh, when they lose all their rep- uh, their credit. Uh, no, I don't think the AJC is gonna put their reputation on the line for reporting Dan Landing as head coach at Oregon. And what was he now? It was during the run trying to get to the national championship, but think about that. Dan Landing was making at least a meal, at least a meal. And people go, Hey man, what is he gonna go up to? Probably go up to about six, seven. Why? Because he's in the premier spot. There isn't more scrutiny on anybody in the country than offensive defensive coordinator for Alabama and Georgia. They got the most scrutiny on them. Ty Munkin, I remember when he first got there, oh, is he going to be? No, he has elevated the status quo of that offense because he helped them get to the national championship. Like you say, Kevin, who got a, outside of Lincoln Riley having back-to-back number one overall picks in Heisman, who else can, who else can have a walk-on win in that? Ty Munkin. Yeah, I'm just saying. He, so I just, I just think that. You know, shout out to Georgia, man. Georgia understands, listen, all our coordinators are being looked at. All our coaches are being looked at. I can't have a $10 million head coach and a hundred, I mean, and a nine hundred thousand dollar, you know, coordinator. It's it, you know what I'm saying? Because people saying, wait a minute. So I was gonna say after last year, Ben, if he didn't take a head coaching job, I mean Dan Lanning's probably over two million with the job oh, he absolutely. did with that defense. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and the thing about it is you told Kevin, it's once again, we talk about the powers that be, right? We talk about the teams that have unlimited everything. Coordinators making a meal is a grip, not even making two in 2022, which means five years from now, three years from now, that's it's going to be, think about it. If the coach is making 10, coordinator at least got to make two. Coach make 15, coordinator at least got to make three, four. So pretty soon, guys going to be like, I get two million and I only have one side of the ball. Hell yeah. I'll take that <laughs> every day yeah. because all the scrutiny falls on me if we don't play well on offense, but all the blame falls on the head coach if we look, hey, I'll take the money. I mean, because sometimes, Kevin, the scrutiny that comes with being in certain positions in certain in certain schools, I, th- I think I think the money definitely uh, makes up for everything you got to deal with. Oh, absolutely. And again, you saw that with, uh, you know, $2 million, and I don't have to take all the, I don't have to go answer the questions. <laughs> Sign me up uh, for that. Uh, and again, Todd Munkin getting two million. I'm very interested to see what the final deal is here with Kirby. It's not going to be more than Nick, but I, I, I dare say it won't be far off. It will not be far off. And you better believe, coaches got egos. Oh, 
Oh, you better get me more than Brian Kelly. You, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm sure Kirby's talking to his agent going, listen, man, like I got a natty. First time that's happened here in, in 40 years. Brian Kelly has won what? Won a lot of games at Notre Dame. Does he have as many playoff wins as me? Does he have national championship? Nope. He's getting 9.5. You figure that out for yourself. <laughs> I think it's going to be at least 10, as you said, Ben, maybe a little bit closer. Again, same as at like 10-6. I wouldn't be surprised if Kirby's up there in the 10-2, 10-3 range getting off I, the clock. I, I would say about like 10-1, you know, 10-1, 10-2. I mean, all I'm saying is <clears throat> it, it pays literally and figuratively to be a head coach in the SEC because they are getting cheap. I don't know who the lowest paid. I, I Probably Vanderbilt, probably, but because they can't pay it. But at the same time, Kevin, like I said, Ben and Napier at 7.1. He And all he's done is move from the Louisiana, move from the boot. To GV, I'm telling you, people. But obviously, those expectations that come with it's like everybody want to make 100k, 100k. And listen, 100k, 100,000 don't come with nine to five responsibilities. People, you think you want to make the big bucks? Look, look at Kirby. Just look at the color of his hair. It's, it's, it's either way. It's, it's going to end up gray, not because he's old, because that's how much stress you under. Besides the Kirby Smart for getting this money somewhere, Mister Smart is saying I made the smart decision. Figuratively, literally, and figuratively, and now uh, the Kirby Smart banking truck uh, uh, truck just backed up, and they're gonna be swimming in the money. <laughs> Absolutely, I will get those that extra pair of shoes uh, <laughs> if I want to. We got more to come here. It is three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. A lot more to come here on the show here on this Friday afternoon. We'll get to take three. Uh, obviously, the Jimbo Nick stuff continues uh, because, you know, anytime you can get one over on the other one, Ben Troop, why the heck not, right? And so we'll get to that uh, coming up in the second hour of the program. But uh, obviously some college baseball going on. Georgia Southern still going in the Sun Belt Tournament. They have a really good chance. We won't know till Monday, but they have a really good chance of hosting a regional. Only 16 of those handed out. Uh, and could be in there with Georgia, Georgia Tech. So it could be an interesting uh, late week of baseball next week if Georgia Southern lands that regional. So keep your eyes out on that, Ben Troop. As, uh, again, we'll know there more on Monday when they have the, the the field selection, whether or not Jared Binko and company were able to uh, to land that. That would be huge, right, Kevin? I mean, when you think about it, 16 regionals are handed out a year. You're telling me Georgia Southern going to have potentially Georgia Tech and Georgia at their place, you know, with obviously with a, with a full team. That would be huge. I mean, think about it. I know I know all the headlines you live in Athens. I know the schedule. Uh, I know the schedule in college football this year is going to be all about Georgia Tech. But baseball with the Georgia Southern Eagles, you know, that would be incredible. And you know Jared Binko will be all over it. Hey, I hope they I hope they do get a regional Kevin because it shows that when it comes to every other sport, not named other than football, it's free game. And that's why you love how you know baseball, the track and, th- and basketball and things of that nature. You know, you, you throw away the conferences and all if you can play, you can play. A changeup is a changeup, you know. I mean a sinker is a sinker. But if Jared Binko and company, think about it. So Athens and the ATL got to come down I 16. You know, to be down there in Statesboro, that would be incredible. Absolutely. And, again, we'll see. We'll have to wait till Monday in the selection show to see where it comes out. But Georgia Southern still playing. I think they have App State later today, I believe, in the semifinals. And, uh, again, credit goes to uh, a lot of these leagues who are having to get it in with, with rain, uh, you know, trying to cram as many games in as you possibly can 
uh, to get this done. So a lot of credit goes to those ADs and uh, conferences this week. We'll come back. We'll take three right around the corner. Look at some Jaguars. Picked up a lot of guys. Who's going to have a chance to flourish for them in that passing game? We'll get to that hour two as well. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. Good to have you back here, three and out on this Friday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. We are streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. You can hit us up on Twitter as well, at Pigskin Radio. Also, catch us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Go to our YouTube channel, at ESPN Coastal, and you can watch us each and every day live there on YouTube. Subscribe and get that notification every time we go live here on three and out. So, a lot to get to here uh, this hour. Look at the Jags. Certainly look at Jimbo and Nick. Boy, if you they're going back and forth about everything, why not steal a recruiter so uh, here as well? So we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. But first, let's take three here on three and out. As Ben, we get to uh, to take three coming up. Take one. The Warriors. They're moving on in the NBA Finals once again. Where do you rank them? among the all-time great dynasties here in this run. Definitely definitely in the top 10. I think sometimes we, I mean, obviously you're not going to have a better dynasty uh, than what the Bulls did. I mean, uh, you talk about you talk about the Lakers with Magic. You talk about the Lakers, you know, with Kobe and Shaq. Uh, you know, I mean, you talk about, I mean, I know people don't like it. You talk about what the bad boy Detroit Pistons, that was a dynasty of a team coming from a franchise. Didn't have much to really go with. And I just think that the dynasty of a LeBron James going to 10 straight freaking finals, but they're in the top 10. I think the thing about Steph Curry that people don't like to give him credit for is, is how consistent he is. He is the greatest shooter we've ever seen. He's going to his sixth NBA finals. He's trying to win his first finals MVP, and he's trying to win his fourth title. I think he is, I can say he is the LeBron of his era. Because Kevin coming out of Davidson, I thought he was going to be a good player. I didn't think he was going to be this. And Steph is that dude. And, and the thing about Steph, he's so good for the NBA because if Steph walks in the room, you say, okay, I can see a basketball player looking like him. Then LeBron walks in, you go, who is that? Oh, that's LeBron. No, no. People, more players are going are going to show, are going to be looking like Steph. Might not shoot like Steph, but yeah, Kevin, I think we downplay how well a team like, you know, like Golden State has done, and they've done it really through the draft. Clay. Draymond and Steph all got drafted by Golden State. I'm not taking nothing away from the Andrew Wiggins of the world and the Iguodala's of the world and the KDs of the world, but they did it with the with the Splash Brothers and Draymond. A then David Green, who was an all-star with Golden State, got shipped off to the New York Knicks because of a one Draymond Green, a second-round pick out of Michigan State. So yes, Kevin, they are definitely in the top ten, probably closer to the top five, maybe like you know you know six or seven, but. Hey, man, most guys have never even played uh, in the finals. They're going to their sixth finals. Yeah, man, uh, they, they, they're definitely in my top ten. Yeah, I think nobody's going to top the the Bulls, who three-peated twice, uh, you know, and, and Jordan going in and out uh, uh, both times during that. I mean, that, to me, is right up there. I mean, you have the Celtics run, the Lakers uh, with Magic. As you said, the Lakers have kind of had two separate ones uh, that have run through there. I know most people don't consider them this even though they really are Ben but where do you kind of because they did I think a little quieter but where do you put like the Spurs when you compare them to oh the my god I mean oh, they, they, once again and that's what I'm saying and we really get to dive in the ones that jump out at you obviously you know Mike you know you're talking about the, the, the Showtime Lakers you talk about you talk about the Celtics you know then you start talking then you start talking about the, the Lakers coming back with Kobe with Kobe and Shaq 
Then you see what LeBron did. Then you see what D Wade and LeBron did. Then you, so I, I just think that it's it, it, it's it's so unheralded, Kevin, because nobody's flashy. Manu ain't flashy. You know, Tim Duncan don't even talk. David Robinson, David Robinson wasn't flashy. You know, so I, I just think at the end of the day, uh, shout out to them Spurs, man. I mean, for everybody that's talking about, listen, may Kobe rest in peace. Kobe had five final. Kobe won five finals. So did Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan had five. He, he, he's a five-time NBA Finals winner. I think a two-time Finals MVP. So, yes. Sorry about them Spurs, man. I mean, you know how it is, Kevin. Nobody on their team make waves. So, the biggest wave they made is getting rid of Kawhi Leonard, who I think won Pop his his fifth uh, final. So, shout out to them Spurs. Well, no, I just I just brought him up because it's like that's one you forget about and you don't yeah, think about. Yeah. And and it's and it's and it was listen and it was and it was a different um cast of characters or whatever. So yes, very 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 unheralded. But yes, definitely in my top ten as well. Sorry, sorry, uh, sorry, uh, Steph and company. Y'all got some unique company that you guys were involved with. All right, moving along, take two. Which wide receiver or pass catcher, however you want to define it, Ben, will have the biggest impact on the Jaguars passing game? And there's a bunch. You got Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, guys that are still there, Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault. Who's going to have the biggest impact here with Doug Peterson taking over? I think it's going to be Evan Ingram. I think, Kevin, the one thing about Doug Peterson that people forget about with his time when they won the Super Bowl, I know it was about you know, Alshon, Jeffrey, and company. They had three tight ends. They had, you know, they had Burton. They had Selleck, right? And, uh, and I, I mean, Zach Ertz. So they had they had the three-headed monster at tight end, even though Evan Ingram, you know, he's going to have to have some help. I'm just looking at the one guy who's just going from one system to another system, from one from one quarterback to a better quarterback, to a to a much harder division, to a much easier division. And Kevin, we talked about the tight end position becoming more of a weapon. It's not like Evan Ingram don't got the talent. He was a first round pick coming out of Ole Miss, uh, you know, uh, five years ago. I just think that it's all about fit. It's all about system. And I just think that with a guy with his skill set that has the ability to get down the middle of the field, a, a true pass catcher tight end, for my money, I think it's going to be Evan Ingram. Yeah, I think Christian Kirk could be it. We'll talk a little bit about this uh, a little bit later, but Christian Kirk coming in, he's getting paid like a number one. Uh, ben, and you've talked about that. Number one guy is going to get number one targets. So he's got a chance to step out. Like, it could go bust. I, I'm, I, Again, look, I'm not here to say it's guaranteed, but I think a guy who's going to get more passes thrown to him than he has in his career is going to have a chance to make a big, big impact there in, in Jacksonville. All right, Ben, a little fun exercise on a Friday. We'd like to hit the holidays. Today is National Road Trip Day. So I'm going to give you four weeks. I know you can have to say you look at the schedule, but I'll give you four weeks, four college football games. You, again, I don't go BJ where it's like, well, I could go here and it's right next door. No, four weeks, four college football games. Give me the ultimate four-stop road trip for college football. Oh man, for I mean, you. Kevin, yeah, I'm Kevin, you already know the but let me let me let me just go ahead and put the front runner shoes on. You know I'm going to Jacksonville. You know, right? I'm going I'm going Florida, Georgia, right? And in fact, I don't got to drive. Jack, I'm, I'm definitely going Florida, Georgia, just cause I got to go to the Iron Bowl. Like I I, I just got I want to feel that atmosphere, how crazy it is. Now this is when it gets hard. I only get two more. I only get two more. You got the Red River rivalry, you know, which is a really, really good game. But for me, Kevin, I'm sorry, man. I want to go to the Egg Bowl. I, I, 
I mean, I've seen so many things. And my number four is going to be a little different. I want to. I want to go to the Civil War. For those who don't know, that's Oregon, Oregon State, right? Because because I, I, I ain't driving. You know, Kevin already got it set up. We got the tour bus. It's all it's swanky up in that thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the I road mean, trip bus. Yeah, kick back. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, the road trip bus. So for me. Got you know great you know uh, I mean you 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 got Florida Georgia Georgia Florida to you Georgia fans got the Iron Bowl got the Egg Bowl and give me the Civil War I think Oregon Oregon State is so undervalued because both teams ain't usually good at the same time I don't think it has nothing to do with who got the best record give me that it's probably gonna be a little rainy a little cold but give me give me give me Oregon Oregon State yeah that's good I, again I'm I'm right there with you if I'm doing the ultimate college football like I got to see it Georgia Florida. Is going to be right there. The Iron Bowl is going to be. I think those are two that you just got to put on there. Like, hey, I'm road tripping to Jacksonville. I'm road tripping to Tuscaloosa or Auburn. Either way, this is where it gets a little different for, for me, Ben, because I love Southern college football. But for years, I've, I've heard it. Oh, it's the game. The game. Okay, that's fine. I'm going to see what it's all about. Send me to Columbus or Ann Arbor. I would say if I want, if I could only go one, I would go to I would go to Seabus. Seabus for Michigan, Ohio State, yeah. would be uh, on on the road trip. And again, my number four, man, that is. Uh, but my top three, I feel pretty good about. I want to go see one where it's you know going to be good level football, and maybe they just don't like each other. I think this. I, I, I was trying to kind of remember what I put, and then I did like, did I change my mind? No. Number four. It's got to be year-specific because I want to see it in a specific place. Auburn, LSU, at night, Death Valley. Got to go see it. Got to see oh, that, that, all listen, the listen, LSU and, and, fans and, and, out and, there. And, and, Kevin, like I said, we only we only get four if the if the, if the, if the drug driver is feeling generous. And listen, man, you guys tip real well. Ben, is there a fifth one you want to go to? Fam, you homecoming. I would love to. I, I, I show sure hell ain't going to ever see no Florida State, even though they right there. Give me fam, you homecoming. I just because this is the thing about this, Kevin. When I was at Florida, fam, you homecoming was always the same week of Florida, Florida State. Now, obviously, coach ain't finna let us stay back. If we in Tallahassee, definitely we're not finna drive over to Florida. Ain't nobody got no money. How we gonna get there? I ain't got no money. I would have. I just want to experience. Hey, fam. Well, now you can use some of that NIL money to get there. Hey, 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 Kevin. All I'm saying is you would have seen some very large gentlemen getting out of some very small cars, but we would have got there, though. We would have got there. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the only way we just found out on the show. Only way to get Ben Troop to Tallahassee. Is for uh, for FAMU homecoming. Yeah, I, yeah, I went, yeah I, went with, I went with BJ when we attacked his first game. And for those of you who don't know, BJ is hard to deal with. When he's in Tallahassee, he is insufferable. This boy is just in heaven the whole time. He took a smell of the grass. Smell the air. Yeah, the grass smells like grass, and the air smells a little toxic. We need to get up out of here. So you haven't got to go to Jacksonville. No, you, you had said, you said, hey, well, you know I'm going to work in a trip to Gainesville, but you didn't. You went to Jacksonville instead. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Only, only because, only because, Kevin. You know, at the end of the day, you know, I know if I go to Gainesville, I ain't even gonna make it in the game. Like, Ben, where you at, man? I'm, where we at right now? I'm gonna be somewhere just enjoying myself, you know. Just, but I'm just saying, Kevin. I, just, I just think that Oregon, Oregon State might be so very, very undervalued. I think it'd be a great road trip. That would be an interesting one. Like I said, and to get to see a little bit of something different, right? Expand the expand the horizons out there as well. So that's a little college football road trip that's take three we do it each and every day here uh at this time again go out enjoy I mean, it's appropriate today is national road trip day as you head into memorial day weekend a lot of folks hit the road and uh go traveling about so we'll uh ben we'll come back i, I asked you take two i want to expand upon that because obviously you got doug peterson in 
Trevor Lawrence, we've talked about as a big year number two. A lot of critiques on Jacksonville about how much money they spent on wide receivers who some people say maybe they paid the wrong guys. We'll get to that when we come back. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out. Uh, we talked about it in take two or take three, uh, Ben, but it was take two, talking about which wide receiver is going to have the biggest impact there on the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, you said Evan Ingram, and I, I looked at it, uh, where could it be Christian Kirk? He's a guy that has received a lot of criticism and critique, not him personally, but the Jags have got a lot of criticism about that pick because he's never been a number one. We've talked about this on the show a bunch. He has never been a number one, but he's being paid like a number one, and no doubt Trevor Lawrence is going to be dialing him up maybe a little bit more often uh, as a number one target. Who, who do you think flourishes in that role? Is it Does it become everything? Do they become a tight end-centric kind of offense? Or is Christian Kirk a guy who said, look, y'all say I can't be a number one receiver because I've never been treated like a number one receiver? Oh, I mean, Kevin, the thing about him is I don't think Christian Kirk can be a really, really good player. I, I think he can be a the – th- the thing about it is, is when I think number ones, I'm talking about guys who take – you know, who, who dealing with double teams every other play, if not every play. I'm talking about a guy who, who understands I'm going to draw a crowd when I'm out there. I'm not saying that Christian Kirk can't be a really, really good receiver, right? But the thing about it is, Kevin, the reason why these – he got, you know, top five receiver money. And unfortunately, in the NFL, we expect your production to match your price tag, your salary cap hit. So that's what they expected him to be. Now, when I look at the receivers, I look at them being more, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, doing it by committee. I think Zay and Christian and Marvin Jones can be really, really good as a unit. And the reason why I say it is this: I go back to I go back to when Matty Ice had, you know, Julio, you know, and he had Roddy White, he had Harry Douglas. Now, true enough, Roddy and uh, Julio are bona fide number one receivers. Harry Douglas was really, really good. And I just think that by committee, because Kevin, the thing about number one receivers me, that means I'm gonna get a lot of I'm gonna get a lot of attention and I'm gonna get a lot of throws. I got if so, if I'm getting 12 throws a game, I got a really, really good shot. If I got halfway decent hands to have a good year, to have a good game. But I just think that whatever an Ingram brings to the table is a security blanket. You got a guy who's not gonna get you know double team they might try to play him you know in and out depending on how well he plays but he can catch the rock you're not covering everything with a linebacker a safety is too small and a slot corner you know isn't big enough either so i do think while christian kirk and company are gonna get a lot of the bulk of the throws and that's more or less from a from a, a perception thing too kevin i got zay jones i got christian kirk they got big contracts i need to validate these contracts by, you know, how many opportunities I give them. Evan Ingram, though, I just think that when you look at what pass catches, 2021, first team all pro, it wasn't Travis Kelsey. It wasn't Darren Waller. It wasn't George Kittle, right? You know, I mean, you know, it, was, it wasn't any of those guys, right? It was Mark Andrews with the freaking Ravens. Think about that. Somebody go, wait, what? Yes. That's how valuable the tight end position has become. And then when you look at when you look at a guy like uh, like Hollywood Brown, he's he's moved on to Arizona. They saying, look, we tired of your bigger, we tired of your complaining because your production ain't good enough. Evan Ingram was told by the team that drafted him, we no longer want you, but he still signed a one year, you know, it's eleven million dollar deal, so he's on a proven contract. I want a guy who wants to continue his NFL career. I want a guy who people have counted out, and I want a guy who's in a division that if you can catch the rock at tight end, you got a really really shot to get, get you got a shot to be really really special. Think about this. 
I don't know who the tight end is for Tennessee right now. I don't know who the tight end is for the Colts. I don't know who nobody is for Houston. I, I couldn't tell you nobody played for them. Evan Ingram is the best tight end in the conference, bar none. Now, I, now they did get the kid. Uh, they did get the kid um, uh, Obaquan uh, out of um, um, out of Maryland, but he's a rookie. Uh, with the Titans. So I just think, Kevin, while Christian Kirk has a shot to be really good, I don't compare. Number ones are not created equal, by the way. Everybody ain't going to be D-Hop. Everybody ain't going to be Devontae Adams. Everybody can be, you know, a Cooper Cup. But a number one means at the end of the year, I lead us in, I lead us in targets, catches, yards, touchdowns. That's what number ones do. They lead, they lead in all major categories for that team. I think Christian Kirk is going to get a lot of throws. He's going to get a lot of attention. Kevin, he can live up to it. But I think Evan Ingram is going to have to get his production with less throws, less attention, and got a shot to be really, really productive because he can stretch the field. So for my money, I'm going to go with Evan Ingram because he's on a one-year deal, which means, hey, man, we're willing to give you some money. We're just not willing to give you no security down the line. He's playing for his NFL future. Christian Kirk broke the bank. Zay Jones got a nice contract. Still got Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chenault. But if Evan Ingram can be – the player I know he, he's capable of being with a guy with Trevor Lawrence getting in the rock. I, we can look back on 2022 and say, what was the best pickup in that offseason? It might be Evan Ingram if he can go out there and deliver. And I look at the, the receiving core they put together, Ben, and on paper you look at it, as you said, Evan Ingram's a, a headliner. The other guys, you're kind of sitting there like, eh. But if they play up, they could be a very solid unit of of guys to go out there and present challenges uh, to the defense. I think, to me, that's what's interesting about Jacksonville is, like, it's, to me, it's set up to be very boom-bust, right, with that offense. Like, you got Trevor Lawrence, and if he delivers, could he make some of these guys better? Could some of these guys finally play better on different contracts, uh, Ben? It could it could work out fantastic with, you know, the old, hey, Matt Ryan made me better. Uh, you know, Dan Marino made me better. Uh, Peyton Manning made me better. As a wide receiver, why? Because he could throw me open. He could make me, uh, you know, look good. I could make him look good. He could make me look real good. I think that's what we're looking at. If Trevor Lawrence comes out and has the type of season that people think he could, I mean, is this is this a, a dangerous passing attack? I mean, or is this, to me, it's just very boom or bust. Like, it, to me, it could be very good or it could be, ooh, we missed the mark and gave a lot of dudes a lot of money maybe they they shouldn't have gotten. It, it could be. I mean, it, you always have that potential. But but I, I'm looking at the AFC South. Right? I'm look. I'm looking at. I'm looking at. Uh, you know, offensive offensive weapons throughout the league. Right. When I think about the Colts, they got Michael Pittman, they got Jonathan Taylor, and they got Matty Ice. That's going to be a nice. You got the you got the leading rusher from 2021. You got a guy Michael Pittman Jr. Who's I mean about as good as advertised. And you got a guy that can get in the rock and Matty Ice. You talk about Houston once again, people. I do not know who plays. For Houston, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some research by Monday. That way, I can give you at least a couple of guys not named Derek Stingley Jr. We talk about the Titans though; they got Derek Henry, right? They got Traylon Burks who replaced AJ Brown. He's a rookie. You go over to you go over to Jacksonville. You got Travis Etienne, James Robinson. That's your two running backs. Then you got Trevor Lawrence. Then you got Evan Ingram. Then you got Lavisca Chanel. Then you got Marvin Jones. Then you got Christian Kirk. Then you got Zay Jones. Kevin, I'm telling you, they can get this thing right. They could be bar none the best offensive core, offensive weapons in the AFC side. And listen, you know I love Matty Ice. You know I do, right? But you cannot put a price tag on youth. Trevor Lawrence, 22, 23 years old. Evan Ingram is still in his early 20s, what, 26, 27, right? LaVisca Chenault, 22, 23. Christian Kirk, 25, 26. Matty Ice, 36. You see what I'm saying? It's like I just think that there is – people don't understand. Good teams are a blend of young and veteran players. 
You t- now, unless you the LA Rams, they they only want veterans. They they don't want rookies outside. Of but Ernest it worked. Jones. It worked for them. It, it does work. I I just think for Jacksonville, Jacksonville saying if we're gonna build, we got to build through the draft. We got to have guys that come up in this culture. That way, when veterans come over, the young guys are telling the older guys, this is how we do things over here. We respect you, OG, but this is how we do things over here. And I think, Kevin, if you can get your money's worth from Christian Kirk, you can get your money's worth from Zay Jones, and I think you're going to get your money's worth from Evan Ingram with a guy like Travis Etienne, which I think he's another guy that's going to be really, really special. I'm telling you. Jacksonville could be dangerous because I think too often at times we look at the big names, big name players got the pair and they got the jail well with their new teams. Guys, it's guys, it's guys that's been there who can, who can tell them the ropes. Who, cause this is the thing. Everybody they brought in, whether it's Zay Jones, whether it's Evan Ingram, whether it is, you know, Christian Kirk, they believe in Trevor Lawrence. See those type of conversations I had. Hey man, I like the young kid, man. Yeah. I remember him coming out. They look at how he functioned in a dysfunctional environment in 2021. It was awful. And he's still durable, team player, not a front runner. So I think Trevor Lawrence is the one that makes it all go. Does anybody question, can he make the throws? No. Does anybody question his durability? No. Does anybody question his leadership? No. You give him a head coach that won the Super Bowl. You give him a stable working environment. You give him some weapons. Hey, Kevin, now we and, listen, and you uh, address the O-line. You got a shot to be really, really good on offense. Now, the defense, well, that's another story for another day. But I think the offense for Jacksonville got a shot to be really, really good. But, Ben, isn't, isn't that the case, though, if these guys perform? Uh, isn't that the case that people always talk about for rebuilding teams is, hey, if we're going to be rebuilding, I'd rather lose games 45-42 than 17-3, than 21-10. Because at least you could say, look, defense can come around. We can make a stop. We can win ball games. But how much better do you think that offense can be? Because I, I, I think you look at what they did last year, they had some good defensive efforts. Somehow beat Buffalo. I don't know how they did it. Uh, but uh, can this team be a team that even if defensively they're not quite there, can they score week in, week out offensively? If those receivers play like potentially they're capable and Trevor Lawrence continues – uh, to develop, as you said, I think they could be a, a very interesting, very dangerous team. And again, at least in Doug Peterson's first year trying to recover from the Urban Meyer fiasco. Hey, yeah, we're not winning as many games as you want us to. But hey, we're up there. We're scoring 30 points a week. We're, 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 we're making strides. We're at least exciting to watch while we're, lo- while we're losing. If that's a thing to say. I know no coach like, yeah, man, we lost. But dang, were we exciting. We we look good out there and didn't look like that's the one thing you hear always because hey you'd rather look good and lose no hey we're just trying to do something uh, to get this thing turned around but no I think uh, again not to overstate it but as you you've said a number of times nobody's scared of anybody in the AFC South so if it, if you can get Christian Kirk to play like a number one and he's going to have the every opportunity to be that guy and Evan Ingram develops a tight end game of which the, the Jaguars really didn't have any. All of a sudden, as you said, Ben, they become a very interesting team offensively. Not as an entirety team, but they become a very interesting team offensively uh, in the National Football League. Kevin, think about this. You don't know what type of pass rush you're going to have on defense. You're very, very young in the linebacker position, even though you bring over the, uh, the, the, uh, the leading tackler from 2021. You have a very, very young secondary. You're going to score points on offense, and you want to look exciting doing it. That sounds like the, that sounds like the Atlanta Falcons in the AFC. That's what it sounds like. The Jags sound just like Atlanta, except they're in the AFC. And the reason why I say it is this. 
We always get caught up in the end result. No, Kevin, you know it's half how you, it's, it's half what you do. It's everything and how you look doing it. As long as you look good, that it's it's like it's it's like somebody saying, "Oh man, they almost won." Yeah, yeah, because because in the National Football League, ain't but one team gonna win it. Right? It is not gonna be the Jags. We already know that they're not gonna win at all. It's it's. How far away can we get from being the number one? We was a back-to-back number one picks. So we picked 10 or 11. That's huge strides. If you talk about a team that's still the average age is 23, 24, it's going to be hard to win. But if we can get them veterans to bring along some of them young guys, if we can get them rookies to really cling on to some of those veterans and say, listen, we're going to buy into what Doug Peterson is selling. We're in a division that is wide open. Tennessee, if you can stop 22, you win. They gave they had eight sacks in the playoffs and lost. You stop 22, you win. Houston, outside of not knowing who the hell you're looking at on tape, you got you're gonna have to find a way to beat them. And I'm sorry, you're gonna have to make Maddie Ice look old. It's, it's gonna be hard to do it. But if you can find a because Kevin, I don't think the Colts, I don't think the Titans, and I know the, the Houston Texans are not better than Buffalo, and you held that offense to zero points. You They scored six. You beat them nine. So now it's a different year, different team. They got Von Miller now. I, I get that part. But I think you got something. Listen, two things you did last year. You kept you kept Josh Allen and the company out the end zone with a guy in Stephon Diggs, you know, who's who was really – it was about as good as you can get at receiving him and Josh Allen. And you told Carson Wentz, sorry, Carson Wentz, we're going to make sure you be on your third team in three years because all you had to do is beat us the last game and you get Carson Wentz first game of the year with the Watch Commanders, which still sounds crazy every time I say that. Watch Commanders sound like USFL, not NFL, but that's where we are, Kevin, you know. So I, I think that when you look at the Jags, they have a lot to look forward to, especially in that division that they're in, which doesn't have a front runner. They just got a beast of a running back in Tennessee, and that's really it. You got a beast at running back, and you got a you got a you got a guy that's trying to uh, you know keep his career going up there with uh, Matty Ice, which have a really really good cast around him. The Colts are the best team. I'm not saying they're not, but I just think that if you're Jacksonville, find a way to jail. Find a, it's how fast they can come together and jail on offense. Can they play complementary defense? Can they establish a run game? Can they utilize Etienne? Because Trevor Lawrence, he gonna throw that thing around. I don't mind picks. Picks means I'm taking chances. That means I'm not sitting here saying, quote, taking what the defense gives me. No, I'm a gunslinger, man. I'm just saying this is what I do. But at the end of the day, Kevin, they cannot – Trent Bogan said we ain't picking number one again. Well, you did it twice. You better not do it three times because it's going to be your last year as in the GM position with them Jags. Man, we've got more to come here on 3 and Out. And uh, from what started, hey, if you want to get mad about it, it's already paying dividends in the SEC. We'll talk about that next. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. What's well, already paying off? You know, uh, if you're Nick Saban, you go after uh, Jimbo saying, hey, this is what we're doing. And, and, you know, hey, boosters, we need to step up. And I'm not saying that's what happened here. But, hey, on the heels of that, Ben, Nick Saban gets the uh, the number three quarterback in the country. Mm, uh, mm. For committed to Texas A&M, with, commits with over to talent. Alabama, Eli Holstein, number 59 player in the country, number three quarterback. Uh, decommitted in March, and all of a sudden is that is that Alabama? Wait, 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 wait! Ho, 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 ho! He decommitted in March. <laughs> Nick Saban ain't say nothing about it. Like, isn't it ironic, Kevin? See, this is what I'm. Ta- this is what I'm talking about. All this yapping about Texas and and Jackson State and Miami basketball. Hey, Coach. And he like, hold on for a second. What he said? Yeah. Oh, okay. Listen, man, and like I said, it, it, we need to do something about it. No, maybe, no that, maybe you can see why Jimbo was mad. 
Because <laughs> exactly. this, this thing, right? let, let me let me just say this. Because see, look, let me let me just say this. Kevin, you've been in radio a long time. You know a lot of guys in the industry. I can give you a name. Oh yeah, yeah. because radio guys, in a, and I mean that respectfully, being a radio guy myself, um, you know the people in the industry, so you kind of can know what people do, have done, where they've been, where they're going. It ain't a lot of surprises. You don't think these other coaches know what these players are gonna do? They recruiting the same guys. So isn't it ironic that Jordan Addison, <clears throat> his flight was supposed to go straight from Pitt to LA. You no, know, I made a pit stop in Tuscaloosa. What? I just want to see what it looked like. You're a liar. You want to go down there because they told you to come check it out. Now he is up at USC. But this is the thing about Nick Saban. All it is, Kevin, is. Nick Saban wants the guys he wants, and when he don't get them, he don't like it. That's all he's saying. What you mean? Because the track record. Okay, Jalen Hurts, Tua, Mack, Bryce, that ain't enough. What? Well, how many quarterbacks you want? All of them. You want all of them? So I just think that Kevin, yeah, the number three, the number three quarterback, I decommitted. I'm going to Alabama. I, listen, I ain't mad at it. At the end of the day, if he was going to Florida, I would say, hey, man, shout out to Bill and Navy. I, I, I get it. But, Kevin, you know, just like I know, it's not so much you don't want to lose. You don't want to lose a certain people. That that I don't want to lose Jimbo. I can lose the Kirby. Not Jimbo. Anybody but Jimbo. 20, the 2023 recruiting rankings are going to be very interesting. If Alabama is number one a year after talking, they're number two. My God, you think they can go to number one? They're number two with all this whining. Come on, man. Get it, you know? So I just think that for me, Kevin, it's funny. Nick Saban behind the scenes, he, he talking to everybody. Back in the day, right, I don't know if they still do this. When I got recruited, you know the team that used to recruit everybody? Notre Dame. If you were a recruit, you got recruited by Notre Dame recruited everybody. I'm talking about everybody. But you know why they did that? They want to be able to say, man, we touched all of them in a sense like this. Oh, man, we, 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 we want to be able to say we know about them. The thing about Nick Saban, this is what he's really saying. They can't do nothing until they talk to me first. What you mean? He, he recruited Texas A&M. He ain't talked to me. What you mean he talked to me? That's what it is, it's Kevin. You know how it is, Kevin. Most of us have never been the priority. You want to you make, make rich, wealthy people mad? Tell them no. What? All that PC go out the window. Here you go. Nick Saban walk in the restaurant. I'm sorry, Mr. Saban, man. We, we all booked up. What you mean? Here, I here, think one just opened up. Here it is. Here it is. And then Jimbo walk out the bathroom. And he go, is that Jimbo? Yeah. And, and Jimbo go, hey, man, I appreciate y'all uh, uh, opening up a, a table for me and my lady. Hey, man, it happens, Kevin. But listen, at the end of the day, like you said, you don't get recruited by George and uh, Alabama. You get asked. And all of a sudden, an Alabama area code just popped up in his phone. I, man, Nick Saban, you don't get out of here, man. Get out of here with no, your look, nonsense. I, 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 I do think it's fun. Like I said, they're battling out. About the only guy I think Nick Saban can't get right now would be Arch Manning. Because if Arch whoa, Manning. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. Listen, if, if Arch Manning goes to Alabama, I think Cooper is disallowed at the family gatherings. Like, you cannot come over for Christmas. We went to Ole Miss. Dad went to Ole Miss. You know, Eli went to Ole Miss. Peyton went to Alabama. If Arch goes to, to, to or Peyton went to Tennessee. If Arch goes to Alabama, Cooper don't even bother coming over for Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner. Right? You can't do it. No, I, no. I, I no, think Kevin, no, no, Kevin. This is the thing. They, 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 they'll, they'll give him a pass. But this is this is the thing, right? This is the thing. People go Arch Manning three 
uh, uh, it, it comes down to three. I said, uh, how many of those three have to do with Georgia and Alabama? Well, that's two of the three. Is it? Georgia and Alabama. Well, Georgia is one of them. Yeah, Georgia's one. Alabama's another one. I think it's Texas. So let me get this straight. You got all, you got prestige, and you got F-150s. Okay, cool. I, I, I get it. I ain't mad at nobody. Kevin, all I'm saying is, right, Arch Manning is a New Orleans kid. I, I get it. So he knows about the South. I ain't, I, you know, if NIL is not in place, that boy is going to Tennessee and Ole Miss hands down. They're not even, he only, he ain't even visit them. Uh, I don't want to go to Oxford. I don't want to go to Knoxville. Why? Because they ain't got no money. <laughs> no, no, look, he, I think, obviously, look, if he goes to, if he went to Ole Miss, I don't think he's going to go there either, but he went to Ole Miss is like, how much pressure would there be? Like, bro, your granddad's name is on the street. Like, you have the same name as that guy. The speed limit on campus is after your granddad and your granddad and uncle have their jerseys up on the side of the stadium. A uh, little bit of pressure and, there. And, and the speed limit, 18 miles an hour. Yeah, that's I what mean, I'm saying. So then you go to Tennessee, it's like, oh God, hey, aren't you going to be like your uncle? I mean, look, I, I, again, where's he going to go? I don't know. I know he really likes Georgia. Apparently said Athens is one of the great college towns he's been to. But then I'm just saying, if family means anything to, to Arch Manning, He's not going to Alabama. I'm just saying. Like, I think Cooper would be disallowed. Uh, he would be kicked out of the Manning family if Arch goes to Alabama. That's all Kevin, I'm saying. You, Kevin, do you remember growing up when people had family businesses? Oh, yeah, yeah. The son took over for his daddy. His son going. Ain't no more family businesses. Why? Because the son ain't doing it. Hey, man, uh, I ain't working in the store. What you mean? This has been not fair. Y'all can do it. I'm not doing it. And, and, all, and all I'm saying is Archie. Arch, his name is Arch. I just think at the end of the day, right, they're going to they gonna support it because they have to. He is the number one recruit in the country. All right, cool. I, I can get that part sixfold, big arm. I get it. Kevin, at the end of the day, it costs $10.1 million to be the head coach of Georgia. You know how much it's going to cost to get Arch Manning? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, Arch, I mean, Arch, Arch right now they're saying it's at $3.5 million. Here's the thing, right? You're giving him that money to do what? Like, what is he going to do? He He's the man. Come on, man. <laughs> hey, and, Kevin, and this is the thing, Kevin. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, could you imagine if Tom Brady Jr. was the number one recruit? No, look. No, Arch, could Arch you, Man, no, could you imagine though. what Peyton Manning's son? But this, is, but this is for real, though. This To me, I look at it and say, that's what NIL is, right? I mean, like, your last name is Manning. You play quarterback. Like, it doesn't matter. What it was in the NIL era, man. It's like you are the number one recruit. Your last name's Manning. You're related to Archie, Eli, and Peyton. You're going to get some money. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that's just like all of a sudden, hey, why is Arch doing commercials with his two uncles? Because he's Manning. He plays quarterback. And so, yeah, yeah I think he's going to get a lot of money. But, yeah, I, I still think all that aside, there are certain places where Grandpa sits down with Grandson and says, you know you're not going there, right? But I really yeah, like yeah, you know you're yeah, not you know, going. You know, yeah, you know, you know, hey, because what's gonna happen is he goes to Alabama, beats the brakes off of Ole Miss, <laughs> beats the brakes off. Listen, listen, beats the, you know they're gonna beat the brakes off of Tennessee. They, they they're not allowed to beat Alabama. No, Kevin, it's just crazy. I mean, maybe listen, listen, my my father, look, lo love him. You know, I mean, the greatest. How he raised me and how he raised his grandsons is different. He he's a. You know, to me, they call him Papa. Yeah, you Papa go, no, I don't care, Ben. You go to Alabama and you beat up on Ole Miss. Arch is not even getting a turkey sandwich. 
at Thanksgiving. It's not gonna happen. He'll, he'll, he'll say, "Granddaddy, I don't need your turkey. I got my own chicken. How about that?" <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back. We got more to come. It is three and out Southern Pigskin Radio Network. It's good to have you along here on this Friday. I'm Kevin Thomas. We have our own legend, Ben Troop, Florida legend, Titans legend. If he wants to be called that, uh, I'll, I'll give him the, uh, the the Titans legend. Why are you Why are you laughing? Because because really <laughs> like only you and I really know. Like you, we got such a legendary show. <laughs> Everything is so. Hey man, listen. At the end of the day, look. They are legends who are. They are listen. They are legends who are made, and they are legends who tell you, "Hey man, I'm a legend." So just what's up? What legendary? I ain't mad at it though, Kevin. I mean, automatically, systematically, we got a lot of legends. <laughs> you know. So I'm just. Saying. Oh, sorry. I was like, I. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Ben and I are just. Hey, Enjoying the uh, the inside. At joke. the end of the day, you're gonna get you're gonna get a lot of a lot of laughs on Friday. Sometimes, hey man, this 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 the eighth or ninth thing, and we're trying to get these last six outs and get that done. We just don't want to bring in Will Smith uh, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we need somebody to come in and finish the show. We're, we're we'll uh, we'll try to find somebody. No, for the last hour, we got a lot to come up in the in the last hour. SEC meetings next week. There's gonna be a lot of really big stuff talked about there, including you know obviously NIL is gonna have to be. Uh, at least talked about uh, at the end of the day. We'll get to that coming up in just a little bit, but we'll count you up towards Braves baseball, Braves and the Marlins this weekend. Uh, ben, and I saw something. Uh, I think uh, Justin uh, Toscano of the AJC who covers the Braves tweeted this out. Love a good bobblehead, and that's uh, it's interesting that they're playing the Marlins. If you ever get a chance to, uh, to go watch a, a game down at uh, Marlins Park, I say this because a lot of people are like, why would you go? No, they don't even want to watch a game. Marlins Park, actually a good place to watch a game. I will say that. And if you like bobbleheads, they have a, a museum been on the ground level right there, you know, up behind home plate of all the bobbleheads from every team around Major League Baseball. They have a huge thing right there. You can just walk through and see all of them. And tonight, apparently, I guess there's a, a giveaway at, uh, at the Braves game where they are giving away a freeze bobblehead you know can you what? beat the freeze and so the freeze apparently is getting his own his own bobblehead that they're giving a, giving away tonight wait wait wait, wait. The, the, the freeze is just not getting it took him to a 2022 that ought to be a yeah. shame freeze, I, I thought the freeze been had one I, and i thought and I, I know but i thought about you last night ben because obviously you know now the freeze has his own bobblehead but the guy that raced the freeze last night i saw a lot of tweets of oh man apparently the guy that just uh, you know, race the freeze like blew out his hammy or his quad or something. I said, so all I could, all I could think of was, ah! And oh yeah, you know, this, I mean, Kevin, this thing, right? The one thing, the one thing you do the least in your life, at least, is run fast, like just sprint. And all of a sudden, when you finally finna do it, you are gonna do it against the freeze? If you've ever had your hammy uh, go out, it's like getting shot in your leg. It is rough. Because all, and again, it's not funny, but just the way you read stuff's like. And the guy's like, oh, man. Just, uh, <laughs> it's like, I think he blew out his – You know he was talking trash to his people. Hey, man, I'm going to beat him. You got to be uh-huh. – <laughs> That is – look, man, there is not uh, – the one second I would feel confident beating the freeze, much no. less even want to be in that race, I'd be like, hey, man, I'll be honest, you can give me till I'm all the way around a right field. You'd probably still beat me because I'll be able to go <gasps> – I gotta make I mean, it. I mean, how fast is the freeze? Like you say, that long head start. Well, he's an Olympic I mean, sprinter. I mean, he's an Olympic level sprinter. 
So it's like man. you could literally give me a two thirds of the way start, and I probably still wouldn't win. At the end of the I day, I want, free, I want this. I want a freeze bobblehead. I want my own bobblehead, but I mean that that's that's another that's another discussion for another day. Yeah, but the freeze got his own bobblehead. I saw it looked pretty cool. I just I thought that was a pretty neat idea. Add it to the uh, the collection of of bobbleheads. We'll bobble our way through one more hour here uh, on the show and hand you off to the Braves uh, and Marlins. But a lot to get to coming up. Don't go anywhere. We're talking SEC spring meetings coming up next week. A lot of big stuff uh, coming out of Destin next week. We're coming right back. Good to have you back here. Three and out final hour. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Count you down towards Braves and Marlins coming up this weekend. Braves trimmed a couple of games down from that lead of the Mets. Tied a series or split a series with the Phillies last night. Now they get the Marlins coming up this weekend. So we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. But Ben, we've talked about it a lot. SEC meetings coming up next week. Certainly a lot on their plate from scheduling, which we've talked about. Future scheduling, uh, how they want the postseason to look, because I think they carry a lot of weight in pushing for a 12-team playoff, expanded playoff, or hey, we'll even discuss doing it ourselves. But in light of the Nick and Jimbo conversation, uh, Ben, how much discussion do you think Greg Sankey and the SEC has in regards to NIL and in terms of how it's being implemented, how it's being used around the uh, the league? I, I think, obviously, Nick Saban sending out a message saying, boosters, if that's how we're going to play, then let's pony up money. I think you have other guys like Lane Kiffin saying, well, wait a minute, if boosters have that much power, is he going to be able to tell me who I'm supposed to play and who I'm not supposed to play? I think there'll be a lot of things discussed about NIL uh, at the end of the day uh, there in, in Destin next week. Hey, Kevin, you know, I know people ain't going to like this, but I hope it's the most important issue to discuss when, it's, when, you, when you talk about the meetings because let's call it what it is. The SEC is just there to talk about how great they are, how much, um, you know, they got the biggest brands, they got the biggest schools, they got the most money, they got the most resources. Greg Sank is the most powerful man. We always talk about the NIL, and we don't know what what it is. We know what it is. We don't know what the rules are. We don't know what the floor is. Now the ceiling that that's a little bit different. But what is the floor? And I think I don't think you, there is a ceiling. Yeah, ex- the, yeah. The, the ceiling is a roofless house. That that, that that's kind of what. It, but but I I just think that Kevin, when you think about Greg Sankey, right? He wants expansion, but he wants it done through the NCAA. And he's threatening using the SEC to do it. Because you know, once he makes that decision, that's it. And if it blows up, he's going to be known for blo- get it blowing up and it not doing well. Now, how great would it be for, for Greg Sankey and the SEC to lead the way in saying, this is what NIL is across the board? Because by saying that, the NCAA obviously ain't finna say nothing. They not – uh-uh, we – Listen, we're gonna give it one more week. Y'all ain't y'all ain't saying nothing. I just think that when you talk about the SEC, you go back to the pandemic, they the best. They they rolled out the season the best because they waited the longest to get it going. They trust the medical professionals. <coughs> Excuse me, the product on the field is already there. Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, LSU, Georgia, Florida, so on and so forth. The epicenter of college football, Atlanta, the SEC championship game. Got it. College football playoff appearances, two in the last, what, three national, I mean, two of the last three years and two national championships were about both uh, Alabama and Georgia with them splitting in the last three years. When you talk about NIL, Greg Sanger come out there and say, hey, this is what we're going to do for NIL in the SEC. This is how we're going to implement it. That's really talking to the other four, you know, uh, P5 conferences, and obviously G5 going to try to follow suit because this listen let me say this it's not supposed to be the same 
for everybody, but you're supposed to have the, the same rules. Like, because even if we because think about it, Kevin, at the end of the day, look, if I'm getting batting practice for Ron Lacuna Jr., right? I think my kid got a better shot to be really, really good when he has that guy help. Doesn't mean he's gonna do it with somebody who's bad and who's hitting coach, Ronald Cooney Jr. What? Just the perception of that is gonna make you think, okay, they they're gonna say Ronald, they're gonna say, how did your kid get to, that's what the SEC is? How did they do that? Because it's all perception. Nobody listen, outside of Ohio State, what? Maybe a, 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 a Clemson or a Notre Dame or maybe a Texas if they good. Can't nobody win the national championship. Who going to win it? So it's less about that. It's like Greg Sanger. We already got that. We, we good. And we had a Brian Kelly. from Notre Dame. And we had, you know, Napier. I think that with the NIL, Kevin, they got a chance to say, let's set a freaking floor. It's not. That's all we're doing. Setting a floor. Now, the boosters or whomever, the powers that be, we going to go crazy. Hashtag, what is the SEC doing? We don't because what are we doing right now? I understand that, of- but to me, that's the big that to me is the big issue because the NCAA for all of their faults was set up and specifically laid out guidelines for hey, if you are a fan of a school, you cannot do this. Right? You cannot do this to influence recruits. How how again, and it's all gonna be wink wink nod nod. Can you not influence recruits when you are setting up booster groups at every school? saying this is why we are here is to give out. Now, again, does that mean they have a deal before they show up? But maybe not, but it's probably highly talked about. Hey, if you come here, there are opportunities, wink, wink, that (laughs) may be in store for you. You know, you you could kind of a ways around. And again, I think most coaches, because to me, the one thing that I got was, you know, coaches want to be able to make all the money and do it. Coaches don't dictate. A lot of what happens in college football, like Nick Saban said, hey, I just won yet another national championship. Alabama said, we'll give you $10 million. Nick ain't saying no to that. He's like, oh, fellas, that's, that's too much. That's too much. Kirby's not going to the, the, the powers that be at Georgia while they're reworking his deal going, oh, fellas, please. I'm embarrassed over here. Take a few zeros off of that thing. I'm the cuss crazy. No, they're saying yes. I think what the coaches see with NIL is not necessarily a complete loss of of power. It is just where the power is coming from. I don't think it's even coming from the players. I think if you were to give the truth serum, Ben, to the coaches, most of them would probably say, fine. pay. Let the players make their money, right? I don't think most... Most of them probably have no no issue with that. I think the problem comes in, is it a distraction? Is you getting that deal, taking you away from my team time, which you only get, what, 20 hours a week? Is that going to try to pull you away yeah, from my you, team and you, time? And you talk about wink, wink. Woo! Yeah, so, so I think most coaches would say, look, how do you make it so it works for, for the kids? Like, I don't th- again, I honestly think most coaches don't care if kids have NIL money. I, I agree, I, again, I maybe call me naive. But I just think most coaches like, I'm getting 10, let the kid get whatever. It, it's fine. I don't want that taking away from what I'm doing, right? I don't want that to affect what we're doing over here. And that's the power I think you're talking about. And Lane yeah. Kiffin addressed it. I don't want that booster to have more control over what happens on my team than I do. As Lane said, they get a kid a big NIL deal. He's not playing. Bring Lane. Why is this kid not playing? He's not there yet. He's not good enough yet. Well, I gave him a hundred grand to say that he is good enough. Well, he's not playing. Next call, ring, ring, AD. Why is he not playing, my guy? Go talk to him. 
And I think that is what college coaches don't want is the outside forces telling them what they can and can't do with their program in regards to some of this stuff that's going on. Kevin, you make a great point. And I, that's why I say rules got to be got to be established. Think about this. I want to listen, uh, you know, coming up, you know, uh, in Augusta, Georgia, when I was when I was a teenager and, uh, you know, going to Butler High School, I didn't go to a prestigious high school. I just knew that at a certain point I was a big-time recruit. How did I know I was a big-time recruit? Because I'm going to the University of Georgia and Clemson and South Carolina, you know, uh, in Louisville and, and uh, you know, in Georgia and Florida. But when I go to Georgia, first time I went, I was a junior. They had a, they had a game going on. I'm walking on campus. People know who I am, and I don't, I don't have a name tag on. Then I go back to Georgia for a football camp, the only football camp I went to in high school, by the way. Shout out to my head coach, David Lamb. Then when I came back as a recruit, I look at, I look at how I'm being treated. I'm not a quarterback, right? But then the only reason why I knew I was a big recruit because I got the big recruit treatment. Because I went, I used to ask other recruits, did they take you and do this? You? No. Did you go meet with the coach? It was about, no, no, no. they like, dude. I said, they pulled me to the side the other day. Yeah, man, I've been with the group the whole time. But now I can tell other recruits what recruiting is because I got to experience at the top level. Doesn't mean I was better than anybody else. But I can tell what a recruit is because I was one. I can't tell what NILA is. I can't tell what it is. Is it Jordan Addison? Right? Is it Master P son? Master P son who went to Tennessee Tech that got a $2 million deal, you know, I mean, uh, from a technology company. That's not NIL. NIL at its core is to benefit from my name and image. That don't all, benefits come in a lot of ways. It's not just monetary. We think, oh, it's got to be the money. No, no, no. To me, NIL is how much free stuff can I get from my name. Cause think about this, Kevin. At the end of the day, I go to the I go to I go to the I go to the uh I go to see uh Florida play uh you know uh Michigan uh you know in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl a couple of years back, Felipe Franks and company, and I went, oh yeah, man, Ben, here's your here's your media gift. I get a gift, yeah. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. just and the thing is, it don't and think about this, Kevin, it don't matter what it is, it's free. Cause I'm with the media, I get it. Name and image like it's supposed to be. How can we? It's too many companies. Think about the companies that want to work with these kids, but they seeing the money being given. I, I can't compete with that. So I can't even give him anything because I don't have that. That's the crazy part. Because it's it's like bowl games. It's so many bowl games. Now, every bowl game ain't giving the same amount of money. Absolutely not. Some bowl games, we give out more merchandise than we give out money. Right? That one over there. And I think that's what it is. Making sure that you got a pool to where you got companies and boosters. Boosters got the cheese, but they've always had the cheese, right? Cheese come with influence. We get that. But what about the companies that want to work with these young people? I was talking to Lorenzo Lingard, um, you know, a running back at uh, Florida. He said, look, man, NIL, it was a player that was on the team that was a backup running back that got a, that got a great job because through NIL, he was able to build a relationship with that, you know, with that fan who ends up being, having a big time company. He gave him a job when he graduated. That's NIL. Because we think, okay, you want to make a couple of dollars, cool. Well, what about if you go through your four years, you never get on the field, you don't be in front of from your name, image like you feel like you got duped, you have been duped, because there's too many things out there. And Kevin, you make you know, you give a compelling argument every time. It's half the uniform before we know you, it's the university and college. We don't know you yet. You ain't done nothing yet. We only know who Jordan Addison is because he's he was a Blinnikoff winner and he went from pit, you know, took a pit stop, you know, he had a delay in Tuscaloosa. And he ended up in USC. All I'm saying is, Kevin, is at the end of the day, if I am a student athlete, male or female, in college, I should get something. And something could mean a lot of things, a lot. And the last thing it should mean is money. 
if you can get money, cool. I'm, I'm telling you to get your money. But how much? But because there are no rules, you can do anything. And the problem is, if they try to do sanctions and they and they try to do it retroactively, ain't no well. You know how I many school man mm -mm, that that one NCAA. Listen, NCAA ain't trying to do that. They already got a they, the itty bitty rep rep they got. They're trying to hold on to that. But I do think Kevin, the SEC can set a president to say this is what NIL is at least for the SEC, and hopefully it catches on like wildfire. Because you know, just like I know, Kevin, outside of Arch, Jordan Addison, Bryce Young, Ewers, uh, CJ Stroud. Sure. What about the guys who go? I don't know not one player who got an NIL deal in Texas A&M, but they just had no one recruit class. I don't know none of them dudes. See what I'm saying? So most no, of them I, I agree. And I, and I feel like that is uh, unfortunately probably the sad state of affairs, if we're honest about you know just people in charge in general. Is the number one thing we've had a number of guys on talking NIL. A number of pretty much everybody been. It's like yeah, I don't really know what I don't really know what the right answer is. Well, somebody's – and I think – so what happens is everybody's standing around going, well, somebody come up with an answer and we'll probably just go along with it. Uh, you know, because everybody's willing to follow. I think nobody wants to lead. I think – great point. I do think it would be a huge step if the SEC said, look, not speaking for the rest of y'all, but these are some guidelines we have come up with that we think is fair for all of our student-athletes involved, for our coaches involved, for our programs involved. This is what the guidelines are. Or rules. Again, I'd rather you say rules because guidelines suggest that there's an option, right? It's like guidelines, when you say these are the guidelines, that, you know, leads me to believe uh, that there's an option that I can do whatever. Yeah, like you go to the yeah. zoo, it says do not feed yeah. the tigers. It doesn't say yeah. here's a guideline. We'd prefer you not feed the tigers because somebody might be, oh, so I can. I'm going to stick my hand in there and draw back a nub. Look, yes. th th there are rules, and, and there are guys. Somebody as a, needs to come out with at least a list of rules and say this is how we are choosing to operate. The end. Not, well, they're guidelines because over here they do that, over here they do that, and again, I feel like everybody, and I will put the blame on all 130 schools and the NCAA is sitting back and saying, "Man, it'd be really nice if somebody came up with some rules." Because we don't, and, we don't, and what we don't know so what the good answer that. is. I don't, I don't, I can get the hesitation of not wanting them, you know, branch off and be your own league, branch, you know, step away from the NCAA because it's never been done, and then everybody gonna be watching you. But Kevin, it's like this, okay? What is the big thing? We need somebody gonna have to do it. They've been knocking on the door for the NCAA, and man, y'all gonna, nah, man, we. Ain't uh, he's out. <laughs> Mark you know, Cameron has disappeared. I, I, we I don't, don't know I where don't he's at. It. It, it, it's, listen, it's almost like this. Listen. If it's T-ball, I don't get to take the ball off the tee, throw it up and hit. No, hit it off the tee. It's called T-ball. Hit it off the tee. Like, everybody at least knows that. We, we can give you the rest of the stuff. There is nothing. If somebody said, all right, man, this is what this is what we're doing in NIL, and he just stops talking. He just hopes somebody said, what? I thought y'all said this to NIL me. Yeah, talk. <laughs> yeah. Say something. Like, like, like what? You, hold on. You invited me to the, to, the, to, to the meeting about nothingness? We need to talk because at the end of the day, Kevin – you know this is what you're really doing. It, it's like the rookie. It's like the rookie salary cap in the NFL. We couldn't let the rookies be making more than guys that's established. So let's and look how everybody's coming to camp. By doing what everybody's coming to camp. There are no holdouts anymore. With NIL, I get it. Certain guys are gonna get certain things. I get that part. That's cool. But if everybody got something, I don't. 
I can't even worry about what the person. The I got temptation to chase anyway. the next best deal, I think, would be there because as we talked about the Jordan Addisons of the world, we're like, hey, we just had a great nationally recognized wide receiver, and he's dipping. Not because he doesn't like our program, just because nope. he's getting a better deal elsewhere. I think that's something, as you said, the SEC uh, for the health of the league is do you want a lot of your players bouncing from team to team at the end of the year because, hey, I can get a, a better deal, so to speak, uh, elsewhere. We got more to come here. It's three and out on this Friday afternoon all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. It's great to be back on this Friday. Counting you down towards Braves and Marlins. Braves back at home uh, here for the weekend series with the Marlins. It'll be Trevor Rogers and Ian Anderson. Braves still been, can't win three games in a row. I said I was going to come on crying about it. I, I, was, I, was, I, I kind of put my head in my hands last night uh, at the end of the game. I was like, it just, it's just not, it's not physically possible. It's not happening. Now, I'm just, so it's frustrating uh, when, you, when you have a team that you feel like, hey, it might finally happen. Maybe it happens this weekend, but uh, you, you didn't win three in a row, but you did split the series with the Phillies, and probably more importantly, quietly gained a game and a half on the New York Mets, uh, who you're looking up at. Instead of nine, you're seven and a half out, and certainly an easy schedule here over the next uh, three weeks or so. Kevin, hopefully they can take full advantage of these next three weeks. Just stay poised. Don't get too ahead of yourself. I mean, you know, I mean, splitting the series with the Phillies ain't what you hope for, but at least it's, it's, it's better than, you know, uh, losing the series. Obviously, as you mentioned, Kevin had a chance uh, to really, you know, uh, you know, uh, get three out of get three out of four. But the Phillies, just like the, just like the Braves are saying, look, man, we can't let y'all, we chasing y'all. Before we can even think about the mess, we got to keep pace with y'all because no matter what, the Braves have earned the distinction of being great closers. They know now. They close pretty freaking good. Now you still got a little bit of time before you get to the All Star uh, game, but I do think Kevin, the Braves got to just take care of one game at a time. Like I said, they're on this road. The Mets a little farther down the road than us, but we can see them. The thing about the Braves is, is just keep chipping away at this thing. Don't get too high, or too low. You know, try to find a rhythm. Because Kevin, the thing about the Braves is, man. If they down or they up, you know, they make games too excited, up four to zero and end up having to, you know, go, you know, uh, bottom of the ninth, you know, to get a hit. You know, Ronald Acuna Jr. comes in. Got to get healthy, though. I will say that. Azuna and Acuna got to definitely get healthy. Acuna definitely. I think just that in and out of the lineup, Kevin is trying to do too much when he's in there. He's going to have to get healthy. But I like the Braves' chances. I think that if anything else, they know how to win, whether you've been on the team or you're a newcomer. It's about quality at bats. It's about great starting pitching. It's about an incredible bullpen. It's about great defense, and it's about not, you know, just not getting, not, not getting too, uh, you know, anxious with these games. I, it's, it's the World Series or the playoffs, not won or lost, you know, in 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 late May. I get it, but Kevin, I'm like you. The Braves was disappointed as you like ah, they could have had it, and you know, it slips away sometimes. But like I say, I'm not gonna do the BJ Bennett. I am cool. It's all right. I figured out that a lot of my, you know, you know, co- you know, associates, they ain't friends because they, they, they Yankees fans. All these Yankees fans around here, listen, it's about the Bravos. Don't ask me. Somebody go ask me, man, you wear a lot of Braves hats. You go for the Braves? I said, what did you say? Did I, do, I root for, <laughs> do I root for the Braves? Is there anybody else to root for? I'm telling you, people talking about, well, you know, I root for the Tampa Bay Rays. That's not a real baseball team. Go on over there with that nonsense. So, for me, Kevin, stay poised, find a rhythm, take care of business, and hopefully, like you mentioned, 
by the end of June, man, we talk about yeah. three and a half back. It's you know uh, cutting into that lead with the Mets because you know Kevin, the closer the more lead, the more games they cut in with the Mets, that's yeah. going to make the Mets met a, a lot quicker than we would hope. Well, and again, you you kind of look at it in the at the long view. It's frustrating uh, to me because I feel like this team. Uh, you don't want to have it on. There's like, hey, you can't win three in a row. You haven't won three in a row. You haven't won three. Uh, to, to me, it's just something that you keep coming back to that you want to kind of put behind you. But uh, again, after that, you have the Marlins who are behind you in the standings. Uh, during this run, you have Arizona, who's next to last. Colorado, who is last in the West. You got Pittsburgh, who I think is fifth in in the Central. Uh, look, you are playing some teams who are not very good. Like they're not, they are down in the standings. You got to take advantage of it, but been over this run in this lead up through, uh, through January 20 or June 20th, as you talk about, if you can chip off a game a week, just a game, a game a week, you'll be sitting there three and a half out by the time you reach to June 20th and three and a half is a heck of a spot to be in all of a sudden going up in a, obviously against some harder competition from that standpoint moving forward, but you're also now in late June coming up on the cusp of the All-Star break, and you're saying, are you in position? If you're three and a half out in late June, you're starting to go into July saying, if we need a piece, and Alex Anthopoulos has been a, a wizard at this, but, I mean, if you need a piece, you're obviously going for it, three and a half out. I mean, they went for it farther out than that last year, or for a different spot last year. So, look, I, I, I think if you're Alex Anthopoulos, you just want this team to be within striking distance. Now, if you're closer than that, well, you know, that's obviously that's a big win. But just one game a week, that's, that's not a lot. Just one game a week and try to keep pace uh, with, with the Mets. And come late June, you're going to be right there in a discussion where three games out, that's a, that's a sweep series. You go up against the Mets, you sweep, you're all of a sudden, right, you're right there. I'm not saying you have to look at but one game a week, and you are going to to trim this thing down to something reasonable. I think, the, again, the frustrating part is you haven't been able to string success together. Ben, baseball is no different than any other sport. It's a momentum. It's a momentum based sport, right? And I know the old saying is like, "Well, you're only good as your next day starting pitcher." Well, the Braves got some pretty good starting pitching. Yep. I think it's the I think it's the 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 offense that has been inconsistent, and you just can't get that long term momentum to me. Uh, three, four, five games in a row. Again, I'm not saying it's baseball. I'm not saying go on a 12-game win streak, but the Braves can't even get enough momentum to do, uh, you know, an 8 out of 10, a 7 out of 10, because they just can't string together three or four days of consistent baseball. Yesterday, no Ronald Acuna, no Marcelo Zuna. That hurts, and, and look what happened. You took Marcelo Zuna out and Ronald Acuna. You put Orlando Arcia and Guillermo Heredia in there, and you muster one run. I mean, again, I'm not saying those guys are bad ball players, but it makes a difference in the potency of your team. And that's one thing that the Braves just haven't been able to string together. Consistent lineup. Acuna's been in and out. Uh, now Ozuna's got uh, you know some nagging small stuff that uh, kept him on the bench last night. And you just haven't been able to play. I... I'd be hard-pressed to check, man. Have the Braves played a week with the same lineup? I don't know that they have at, at this point because of guys who were hopping in and out due to, uh, to to various things. So, to me, that's the frustrating part is that they're a better team than what they've showed, and you want them to push through because you want that three, four, five days' worth of momentum. Now, I think you kind of kind of are getting there because you, you took two or three for Miami. You, you split with the Phillies. And you're five and five, so you're kind of getting to that point where over ten you, you've played kind of down the middle. 
but this is where I'd like to see you take a home series against the Marlins and really go out and try to flex. I'm not saying the Marlins aren't trying to win, but you're a better team than them. Go out and flex a little bit and try to sweep a series here uh, and, and really make some things happen in terms of the positive momentum with your ball club. But we'll get to that coming up. The Braves and the Marlins later tonight. Trevor Rogers and Ian Anderson, your pitching matchup to get you started into the Memorial Day weekend. We'll come back. We will hear from Chris Carlin, uh, ESPN Radio, co-host of Carlin and Canty on ESPN Radio, which you hear uh, weekdays after we are done. Of course, you hear Chris Carlin everywhere uh, filling in for Mike Greenberg. And we'll have a conversation with him about some college football and more. We'll hear from him next. This is 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. 